Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia. Well, the Gridiron Greats publisher. And Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wally for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover... 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. And Joe will be on in a couple of minutes. Nope. And before, oh, oh, no, Joe's up. here. Okay. I'll just listen again. Joe is here. Welcome to the show this evening. Right. Yeah. There you go. There's kids in the background. Tonight's show is going to be a complete open forum, and we're going to be going over a few topics, a few hobby happenings, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and we're going to look at a couple different subject areas, which I, I think are very relevant and very interesting to the hobby. Uh, before we begin, a couple small pieces and tidbits of um, both football and hobby news uh, a couple of people have been asking me what my feelings are as far as whether or not a football season is going to be uh, occurring or not within uh, the fall. And, uh, you know, like I told them, I, I honestly don't know the perimeters that are going to be imposed, if any, as far as games are concerned, fans, so on and so forth. I have a very strong indication in certain states training camps will be – Occurring 
and they're going to be, you know, obviously taking all, all, all sorts of different precautions. Uh, as far as the season is concerned, I haven't a clue with regards what will or won't happen. So, uh, you know, I hate to, to, you know, not give definitive news because I really haven't heard anything one way or the other with regards to what's going on. I've just basically been following what I've been reading both online and in the papers as far as what's going to happen. Uh, I think a lot will, will be determined uh, if and when Major League Baseball starts and following what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, so on and so forth, will will be a uh, a subject for football to follow at the same time. And uh, other than that, that's all I can I can uh, really look at or view. I, I can only imagine somebody's going to come come up with saying that the players need to have shields on their helmets or whatever type of thing, and uh, I, don't, I don't see how that's going to fly one way or the other, one way or the other. But it will remain to be seen. So that's a bit, just a, a bit news with regards to the upcoming season, both college and the pro game. I know high schools here in Connecticut, we, they're, they're pretty much unknown other than um, they're going to try for a fall sports schedule. What will happen, again, anybody's guess. All right. Um, Joe, are you there? Okay, we're going to wait a couple more minutes. Uh, a couple more yes, pieces sir. I'm of here. news. Oh, you're here. Okay. Yeah. You ready I to go? Just my 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 input on the on the season. Yeah. Imagine face shields. Imagine how practice happens with, you know, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with yeah, it's it, yeah, it's a debacle, isn't it? I mean, uh, again, uh, how do you play a game that's physical contact? Uh, you know, so on and so forth, and and supposedly be safe or whatever. But you know, again, oh, I I I, think I, about I, I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. So we just got to take one day at a time, and that's it. And I I prefer right think now about how the NBA's not to, yeah, you know, yeah. Think I about how the NBA's right doing if they're to, taking the entire the the entire uh, you know the entire league and quarantining them in Orlando. Uh, not allowing them to see their family. I mean, it's, you know, it's got to be tough to get pro athletes to agree to go away from their family and the news and live in a hotel away from everything for, you know, for the duration of the season. Yeah, that that's not going to, I don't think that's going to fly. You know what I mean? Well, we'll see what happens. I'm, that's it. Like I, I'm like curious I tell everybody, to see what happens. Yeah. Pick uh, a day at a time and, uh, you know, that's a, we can't, we can only speculate. Yeah, right. exactly. Good uh, point. Leading off on our open forum to get started, there was a very interesting Leyland's auction. And there was a Jim Thorpe Canton photo in the auction. And there's been speculation as far as what type photo number it is. Uh, was it a type one, a type two, or type three? Yeah. And Joe, I know you, um, you you've get, done a lot of research in this over the years as far as type photos. Can you give our audience a little background on the differences between types one, two, and three photos? Yeah, exactly. And this auction is ongoing, so I hope I'm not outing uh, anything for anyone. But obviously, this touches uh, a couple bases for me. It's a Jim Thorpe photo. It's it's vintage. Uh, it, it's I mean it's it's an incredible piece. 
and, and uh, so I think Leland's ends this Friday night. Uh, and uh, they originally, when this, and this is a classic photo. This is Jim Thorpe standing in his camp bulldog uniform. It's a black and white, holding his helmet down on his side. And if you're having a hard time envisioning it, first of all, what are you doing listening to this broadcast? And second of all, it's on his, uh, it's the same photo that's on his 1933 Sport King card. And the same photo that's on his yep. 1955 Pops yep. All-American yep. card. It is an iconic photo. Uh, it, to me, it just summarizes Thorpe, summarizes vintage football. A lot of people see the C and they assume it's Carlisle, but this is later on when he was with Canton. And uh, uh, PSA has, has this graded Type 2. Uh, Leland's advertised it as Type 1 uh, and then later recanted that and sent out a correction and gave people the option, uh, myself included, to you know, to, you know, rescind their bid, uh, type one or type two, it's still a, 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 like I said, an iconic photo. The difference between type one and type two is, uh, it, it comes down to a, it's, it's kind of subjective. Type one is a photo that is struck from an original negative, uh, that was printed within two years of taking the picture. Type two is struck from the original negative after two years of the photo being taken. So you take two years, 365 times two, seven, you know, 730 days. Uh, on day 731, you print off that negative, and it's type two. You know, 730, okay. you know, 730 days, it's type one. Uh, type three photos are, you know, copies of photos taken from a photo. Uh, you know, it, it starts to get down. Suddenly, you're just you're just in a newspaper, you know, newspaper photos and stuff. But uh, so type one, type two. Uh, you know, they're both from the same original negative, just uh, it's when the, when the photo was struck. Uh, Leland's has this photo labeled as circa 1940. Um, and, and most of this, this image is, uh, you know, right around the early 20s, you know, about you know, 1923 or so. So it's, uh, who knows? I mean, what, 17 to 20 years after, you know, the, the, the picture was taken, this was printed off from a negative, but, uh, you know, this, some people doesn't matter. It's still an iconic photo. Right. Right. And again, given the time frame of when it was actually, uh, printed in, yeah. you know, say it is printed in the late thirties, early forties. It's still, you know, technically from a bygone error. And it's also going to be a very, very different, um, you know, piece other than something that's reprint reprinted later on. And with laser printers exactly. today, there's so many things uh, reprinted. It's not even funny. It's interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, as an as an aside, I, I recently picked up a small collection locally from a, a guy who was moving, and uh, hmm. he thought he had a uh, gem piece. Of, it was an eight by ten photo of Gail Sayers from a. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. From a. a Illinois-based tool company, and he asked me straight out, I, he says, is, is this a real photo from the 1960s? And I said to him, not at all, I said, and I showed him uh, how <laughs> the paper was, you know, virtually new, and I said, I, my assumption is he was at a at a show somewhere signing, and either the promoter or whoever printed up a bunch of them off his laser printer, that, or had them laser printed. And they were using the autographs. So he, he understood what I said. I showed him the, the uh, configuration of the 
of the way it was printed, and I showed him a couple pieces that I had from the 60s just to, to verify, you know, th- this is an original photo from the 1960s. Yours is a, a one printed much later. So, I mean, he yeah. understood, you know, other people, other, or you know, obviously dealer, yeah, other other dealers, you know, would say, no, 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 it's genuine, it's genuine, or an eBay seller or whatever. And it also leads me to 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 give a second example. One of the most reprinted, um, in my opinion, sets, photo sets of the 1960s were the 1962 Tang photos, um, which were... Hmm. Basically, um, you know, later day eBay uh, dumps where people would, you know, pick them up. They would fill them as original. And I know this happened to me on two occasions. I bought a couple photos uh, and I, you know, checked them out. And I said they, right away they were reprints. And then, um, you know, I compared them to my original set that I had that I bought years ago. And you could just tell the difference between the quality of the paper, you know, and, and the different yeah. formations and the print, so on and so forth. That's why it's very important if, if you're going to get into photos and you're going to buy photos, make sure you understand no. the differences between type 1, type 2, and type 3. And the way you explained it is is perfectly, uh, you know, it's perfectly correct. Because yeah. it's, and type this, 1 this is the most rare. Good photo. Type exactly. 1 is, this one's is got a, the a most rare. Log on back. Sorry, Bob. Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead. No, no, no. The type, type one are the most desired, especially for any yeah. older photo. And, and, and you're correct in saying a lot of newspaper photos, too, can be considered type ones, uh, especially if you see the print on the back of them at the same time. Uh, you know, and that's use, the quickest way stuff. to identify them is, you know, the newspaper slugs. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, it's stamped right on there. Uh, you, I've, you know, I collect obviously a lot of, uh, you know, Red Grange photos, and a lot of them are, you know, newspaper that were printed from right from the negative, and then on the back is the newspaper slug, where they describe the game, the date, et cetera. So that's you know that's a that's an obvious one. Uh, about a decade ago, I, I learned most of what I know about type one and type two photos, just the you know origination of photos from you know John Spano teaching me. So I remember I remember calling him and just kind of hat in hand, like all right, well, what's the difference? Because I was looking at a photo with a newspaper slug on the back. And I thought that if a newspaper printed a photo, that it was type two. Uh, and he's like, no, because, you know, this is back in the day when newspapers had sports journalists and they'd go out and take these photos. Right. Uh, so they owned the negative. So it's a type one photo. Uh, so it, it was, it's pretty cool. And, and, you know, there's another tip of the hat to our, our beloved hobby where you can ask people questions and, you know, even basic questions. Uh, you know, I mean, we're a learning hobby and we're passing this stuff on. Here we are. We're passing this stuff on. So, uh, but exactly. there's a uh, there's a sports bar here in Portland that about uh, six years ago opened. And th- this was a massive sports bar, uh, you know, second floor sun deck, uh, just a really cool place. Had had theater mm-hmm. seating uh, like bleachers, and on the side of the building they painted about a 30 foot tall uh, Jim Thorpe. This photo, you know, this Canton Bulldog photo, is about 30 feet tall. Watching, I, I drive by this on my way to my office, just watching this guy boom up in a lift every day and outline it and paint it. It was stunning. I mean, it was, and it was just, it was the, it was right by the entrance to the, to the sports bar. And it was just iconic. And I loved it. And I was so happy to see that go up. Somebody appreciate it. And then somebody sued the bar because they didn't have an original photo. They were copying 
a copyrighted oh, photo. Oh my! Is what I heard more. And I heard, you I heard a whisper that there, there was a lawsuit pending, and the bar was like, "Well, of course we don't have a photo." Uh, you know, it's a, you know, and I don't know what the statute of limitations is on you know copyrights for photos, but the bar acquiesced and painted over this photo, uh, this painting of Jim Thorpe, and I just I was stunned. I was just stunned. Wow. So, wow. It would have been kind of cool to have a type one or type two original photo and be able to walk over to them and say, "Hey, you can borrow this. I will allow you to copy this image." <laughs> wow, that's yeah, unbelievable. So, yeah. But and, and I can guarantee you the reason why they cost. did it. That the reason why they were doing it is because uh, it was for profit. They're saying to themselves they're using that image, and he's going to make a profit off oh. it because because he has the um, has the bar, and um, you know there are. You know, there are people constantly looking at this stuff to try to say, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna allow it, yada yada yada, and and a lot of this stuff gets turned down and gets and it gets uh, eliminated, and uh, it's amazing, truly amazing. Yeah. It, that's interesting too because over the years I've I've asked I've had several people who've opened up sports bars looking for certain pieces or whatever. Either I had them or I guided them to people that I knew that had them so they could hang it up in the hang hang the stuff up in their in, in the place. And um I that's one thing though they never really got into. They were more into uniforms, jerseys, um, you know, magazine covers, so on and so forth. But to me, photos uh, you know, add so much as far as uh, you know, a a great moment in a game or a great player, Absolutely. or a team team photo, whatever the case may be. So uh, it's very interesting to see. If you think of iconic so again, football photos, yep, this is yeah. this is one of them. Uh, you know, a YA Tittle kneeling on the sideline, blood coming out of his ears. Dwight Clark catching a touchdown in the end zone. There's many, many, you know, iconic photos you can think of, and this is probably one of the top three, five, whatever. Yeah. It's just this Jim Thorpe image. So, well, wow. Leland, you know, a, a shame, shameless plug for Leland's auction this Friday. And it's a, uh, don't forget, <laughs> Leland's are, uh, who take the back cover of Good Iron Greats magazine. I highly recommend them for your uh, consignments and or purchasing anything from them, either through their auctions and they have uh, – a great selection of items, many, many iconic historical pieces have passed through Leyland's over the years. Second point we're going to yeah, look at east, tonight. East, uh, east Coast, West Coast thing, Leyland's versus Leyland's. You know better than exactly. I do. So sure. I, I forget how you pronounce it. <laughs> exactly. We are in the, in the, May, the Mecca of sports memorabilia here in the East Coast. <laughs> Touching briefly uh, on something, something off um, – that that just popped in my mind, and I, I was going to talk about it later on, but I'll, I'll throw it out now. Speaking of East Coast, the National was rescheduled uh, for some dates in December, and uh, I know I was going to uh, set up with uh, Josh Adams, uh, who normally takes a, um, a a table booth there at the National, yeah. and he informed me already he's going to be skipping it, and I'm and I'm saying to myself, a I still can't see how the show is going to come off in December. B, uh, I, I personally would not want to drive from Connecticut to New Jersey in the winter, not knowing, yeah. you know, the weather forecasts. It could be, you know, it could be stuck with a blizzard, ice storm, whatever the case might be. Yep. 
And as I as I get older, I really you know prefer not traveling during the winter unless I have to, or you know I have a I have a four I have an all wheel drive vehicle. I'm not really concerned with it, but in nice I really don't like driving in ice. And I always said to myself that that could be a corridor for a good ice storm, and then as I come more in inland, get into Connecticut, it's more of a snowstorm. So I'd rather drive on snow snow than ice. But long story short, they rescheduled it. It remains to be seen if they're going to have it. Uh, I'm not overly optimistic on it because I really can't see um, good attendance other than local attendance. And I can't see a ton of dealers uh, going cross-country to set up in New Jersey like that. So uh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens. With yeah, that. from my perspective, it's, you know, December's holiday parties. My birthday is in December. Exactly. My sister's birthday is in December. I mean, You've, you've got holiday parties, weather, like you said, is that close to Christmas? It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's such an unknown. I mean, and how would that be if you made a down payment on a, on a, uh, on a table and then there's a blizzard, I mean, you know, you can't make it, yeah. you get your table back. And then, you know, and if there's a blizzard, yeah. even if you make it, what kind of, you know, what kind of, uh, attendance will there be? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, so it I probably think- should have, just been a cancel versus a reschedule on that one. I think I think realistically, um, you know, they're making a brave attempt to try to make sure they still have one this year. The way they set the dates up, because these were the only dates available at the convention center there in Atlantic City, it's running from a Saturday to a Wednesday. Oh. So the logic, you know, you're going to have to make all your money on a Saturday and Sunday because I can't see great attendance Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, not unless you're open at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't you, sound good one way or the other. You, you, you've, you've been I'm to your sure. share of nationals. Think think about how many people pack up and leave on Sunday. I mean, you know, oh, by yeah, noon on yeah. Sunday, most, the, the nationals empty. So, the people make good money on Saturday. And, and then Sunday, you know, rolls around and looks like uh you know looks like you know low attendance monday tuesday wednesday it'll be an empty hall which is always sad yeah, to exactly. see exactly and uh yeah. that's why that's why normally when you know if the show's in either cleveland or chicago i've traditionally left saturday night even though you know i, I just share you know share a spot with another dealer uh i normally leave saturday night uh, or fly out Sunday morning because, you know, I can't afford to take the extra day. And, and Sunday, you know, traditionally is a wholesale day at, at a show where dealers want to just mm. get rid of stuff so they don't have to bring it home. Get so of, yeah. it's not logical. I, Good point. I just assume, do, you know, if we if we have any more local shows here, which uh, the talk is in the fall, we're going to have a couple small shows. I may set up there. Or if not, I'm not overly concerned. Uh, but just to point out, the next edition of Gridiron Greats Magazine, which will be out the end of July, which was traditionally the national issue, will not be a national issue this year. And uh, I know a couple of people asked me about it. And I said, I, I, you know, it's just not going to be this year. The second point we were going to talk about tonight was PSA and turnaround times. Um, Joe, I'm going to hand off to you on that, too. And let me know what's going on with that. Oh, it's tough. I mean, PSA, you know, I, I, you and I were lamenting about this, you know, earlier, and it's just uh, I made a three-card submission, you know, to PSA, a couple Leafs and one, you know, Chickle card to remain unnamed, and uh, let's just say it's second series, and he played for the Bears, and he wore number three. I'll let you uh, <laughs> go from there. But uh, 
three cards we'll that I for, made uh, <laughs> early February, and uh, it's it's just tough. It's I I I, I give pause for any any COVID related issues, um, but you know when it's you know three four week turnaround and uh, four months later, you're kind of tapping your feet, uh, and uh, you know I, I I mentioned you know previously I have about 25 cards I wanted to s- submit. And it's just not worth it at some point. I mean, and usually what I do is I wait for the national to roll around. I renew, I renew my, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, my, uh, what you would call it, my, uh, you know, subscription uh, to the, uh, the uh, subscription. Thank you, my, yeah, to you know, to PSA, and I ask yep. Todd Tobias to you know help help a brother out and uh, walk these through, and uh, you know, and, and I pay a little bit extra, but I get them immediately. Uh, where, where my, as my wife will tell you, I'm, I'm an impatient man in the first place. But then, you know, when it comes to your cards, and I don't know, and maybe I'm just going back to ten years ago where it would take six, eight weeks. But you're okay with six, eight weeks. Yeah. And if the new norm is, yeah. you know, five months, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm okay with the new norm. Uh, you know, you know, there's been talk no, of them wonder, opening an East Coast branch, but apparently they, not. They don't like to encapsulate away. Now, are they saying basically it's because of the virus, or is it because um, just the, the large amount of submissions they receive because people really have nothing else to do other than sending their cards? <laughs> you know, that's that's, that's what I'm point. curious about. You know, what it, you know. Well, I, 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 I think mean, the whisper was it was three, four months even prior to COVID, and then you know hit a hit an eight week pause for COVID, and you know you're up in that six month range, and you know if people had nothing else to do, like you mentioned, which is uh, you know one of the reasons I have 25 more cards to submit. Uh, if if people had nothing else to do during lockdown, uh, you know they were mailing more stuff in and nobody was there. I mean I, that's that's even more of a backlog. Uh, so, uh, so I think I mentioned. So basically, so basically, if if you sent it in during normal times, how long would it take you to get it back? Or did you buy the expedient service or the expedient uh, expedient service or speed service is not available right now? I have a member, uh, you know, I have a mem- basic membership. I mean, I'm not, nothing special. I don't, I don't submit enough to warrant anything greater than that. Uh, you know, they were, they were saying it was about three months, you know. So, I mean, we're, we're coming up on, you know, month four and a half, and, you know, with a two-month pause. So, I, I guess if I get them in the next month, then they're in their window. Okay. Then I'm, okay. I'm guessing not, you know. All right. It's just, you know, and, and they're, it's bad stuff. You know, PSA is the biggest game in town, you know, in town there. You know the you know their their label fetches a little bit more than FPC, et cetera. And I think I'd mentioned I'd sent uh, you know uh, you know we had you know Jeff Payne on a couple weeks ago and we mentioned you know the 1926 Pottsville postcards that we won right. Heritage that right. were autographed. I had four of those. I sent those into SGC to get encapsulated. I'm not even concerned with a grade. Uh, there's just certain things mm-hmm. you just want physically protected. Uh, and I yep. sent them in, yep. and I, I I I wrote on the application just you know just any grade, uh, and they sent them back because they're autographed. And they're like, no, we grade these. It's just they're autographed. I'm like, well, I don't you know I don't want the autograph. Just Where grade them. Right. And if you want to call the autograph a mark, give me a give me an SGC ten. And he's like, you know, and they reply back from their grader was, we don't want to grade anything with an autograph, even a ten, because it would confuse people that we are grading the autograph. So oh, my you get a little bit more difficulties, little, you know, you get difficulties from SGC delays from PSA and, 
no no way in hell I'm you know getting a 26 Pottsville maroon postcard graded by at Beckett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd look a little exactly. funny. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's just well, you know, the, it's just it's tough. It, it's you know again I don't have to say it for the millionth time I'm not into graded cards I've never been. And here's an example of frustration in the hobby that if you send something in, you know, you want it back in a reasonable amount of time. Obviously, a lot of businesses I fully understood there there are problems that people have with regards to, um, you know, with the virus and all that. So obviously they had issues with regards to being probably shut down for X amount of time. Now they're getting back. And the uh, the onslaught of the backlog is is tremendous, and you know everybody's yeah, going to yeah. have to hurry up and wait, type of thing. Now, as far as the autograph is concerned, with regards to uh, why SGC would not grade it, that's a different story. I I, I you know kind of question that in a way because again, if you're going to grade things, now you're saying you're going to pick and choose what you're going to grade. Well. How how does that help the hobby? Well, it helps the hobby in a way you're not going to grade things you don't feel comfortable with. But at the same time, yeah. if if there's only technically three services grading, which are Beckett, PSA, and SGC, then you know who's grading autographs? What's what's the specialization of it? You know what I mean? And and you know, yeah, uh, Jim Spencer for years, obviously, yeah, um, you know, an expert. And, um, you know, I haven't talked to Jim in several years. Long story short, he goes to work for somebody else. There goes that independent grading. And B, you know, now you only got one place you can send anything to, which is now going to further backlog the the time frame you're going to get anything back from. So that doesn't help the hobby either. Like PSA has a different colored slab for autograph authentication. So right. it's the red, it. yeah. you know, the red and yeah. white flip for card grade, and it's a different color. I forget what it is. I think it's blue. Uh, anyways, uh, it's a different color slab for an autograph, and mm-hmm. uh, SGC could do the same. So, I mean, if, if you see an autographed card and it's the red and white flip, you know that they graded the card and not the autograph. Uh, and if you right. Right. You know, see it with the other, with the autograph colored flip, you know, that they graded the autograph. SGC could pretty easily do something like that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, you think they could write on there, like, you know, you know, no, no auto or something. I don't, who knows? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a small fish in a big pond here when it comes to grading. I mean, I'm lucky if I grade, you know, 25 things a year. Uh, right, you know, there's right, dealers right. that. You know, we, you know, you know, PWCC, Probstein, those guys are, you know, dropping 10,000 cards a month off to get graded. If they've got an issue, they call Rez on his cell phone. You know, they, they go, they go over to Joey O's house and go hot tub and get problem solved. Yeah. So me, you I just, I just get on Gridiron Great's podcast and complain. (laughs) (laughs) And I always said I should have bought stock and plastic companies before all this started because uh, the amount of... (laughs) The amount of plastic that is consumed is just it's just mind boggling. Oh yeah. You know, relating that well, you've you've I'm starting start to subscribe to your point of view, you know, Bob, where I don't really care about the grade. I mean the stuff that I'm buying is so old, I'm just happy to have it. I, you know, I'm not I'm not really yeah. condition sensitive, which is what, you know, the yeah. PSA and the registry thrives on. Uh but 
there are some things you just want physically protected, and I'm sure you could think of think of some things in your set. That oh yeah, yeah. You, 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 yeah. you know, you, you just for the physical protection, I'm, uh, regardless of the grade. I just want to make sure this thing, you know, doesn't get dropped in a corner dinged or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, that I, I look at all the older postcards. I really don't have a lot, but I have a, I have a, you know, let's put it this way: less than fifty vintage postcards you know, turn-of-the-century type basic football ones of players, teams, mostly Ivy League stuff. But at the same time, you know, I keep them in four-pocket pages in, a, in an album. So that's the way yeah. I protect them. Obviously, not all of them are pristine in any way, shape, or form. A lot of them went through the mail, so on and so forth. But, you know, that's the way I protect it. I'm not overly concerned about getting a grade on them, uh, you know, and um, therefore I'm not going to, uh, I won't play the game with, with the grading. Now, tying into something you were saying, we, we were mentioning SGC, uh, you wanted to touch briefly about uh, their registry. Can uh, give us, our, our listeners, some background on that? Oh, uh, when I texted you, I put registry, you know, registry, you know, around some air hyphens, you know, air repository, you know, it's, uh, their registry is non-existent. It's just, you know, me and a friend were texting back and forth talking about, you know, the, the, the joke that the SGC registry is, I mean, uh, and, you know, PSA, PSA nailed it. I mean, uh, you know, you hear people say it all the time that, you know, the registry is a hell of a drug. Uh, the minute you get, you know, you know, a, a room full of men talking about the same set and who's got the best set, you know, you know, there's, there's the, you know, there's the, you know, the drive of being number one of, and then awarding people and then acknowledging them, uh, you know, just having the best of something is, is bragging rights. So, you know, and that has obviously, that, that was one of the things that fueled, uh, you know, PSA's, you know, growth and SGC right, right. for years has been promising, you know, promising to fix it. If you go to SGC's, you know, website right now, They've got, you know, emblazoned across the top, you know, you know, it, it new and, you know, something new and exciting, you know, coming, you know, but the problem is that's been up there for the last six, eight months, you know, right. uh, you know, some people, some people, you know, Dave, Dave, uh, Dave Foreman owns SGC and some people say he owns it. It's kind of a luxury project. He owns it so that he gets expedited service on his, on his cars. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you think about it, I mean, in your yours and mine circle, it's there's two games in town, SGC and PSA. I mean, if somebody came to you with a Beckett, you know, a, you know Beckett Joe Montana rookie card, you'd 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 think they got it graded because it was sheet cut, or because you know they couldn't get a good grade, you know, in PSA or SGC. You know, we always, or, and you know, we you know, or you know, or unless it's modern. I mean, you know, or, or, I, I would expect to see a Tom Brady. You know, playoff contender card in a Beckett, but not a you know not not anything previous to 1988. Uh, so, I mean, really, we're talking about two. And when you compare, you know, the volume that PSA has to SGC, it's like comparing, you know, your mom and pop, you know, uh, you, you know your your mom and pop Ace Hardware to, you know, to uh, you know Walgreens. I mean, you know, it's like 90 times the volume I think that PSA has compared to SGC. So really, right. SGC is a, an annoyance to PSA. So they they, they right. take a minor, you know, you know, fraction of it. So the SGC registry is a joke. I mean, and it's almost that ship might have been might have sailed already, Bob. Because I mean, even if they came out and said we fixed it, 
It's it's mm-hmm. good. Think mm-hmm. about how many cards that SGC has graded that probably aren't even in their you know in their inventory that they don't have a history of. Right. You go to enter it and it's screwed up. You have to have a full time person doing nothing but taking scans from people of cards and you know doing the data entry and entering them into the you know into the database. So. Yeah. These days, somebody needs to buy STC and fix it because the brand is good. Well, you know, the grading is trusted. It's not a good. It's not a good. You know, it doesn't bode well for their business, and it's not a good business model either. I mean, you know, again, this this hobby amazes me sometimes. Dealing with some of the dealers and some of the vendors that are involved in it, that you know, at normal, you know, you're a businessman. I'm a businessman. Our business models seem to be dramatically different than what we see sometimes, you know what I mean, in the hobby. And I'm putting it very, very eloquently exactly. when I say that. You know, you're, that you know, you're exactly right. Here's garbage. We're going to sell you garbage, and you accept the garbage. You know we're not going to take any, you know, returns on it, and yada, 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 and, and that same song and dance. Well, you know, that gets kind of tiring. And, you know, I go uh-huh. back to the explosion of cards back in 1989 up, and I, you know, I distinctly remember, you know, people fighting with me. Well, you know, you, you really should be trading your older cards for the newer cards because the newer cards have much more value than the older cards. And I said, there's no possible way you can you can give me that argument. And then to try to sell older cards, you know, they're saying, well, you know, there, there's no demand for them. Therefore, I'm only going to give you five or ten percent of book. Yada yada yeah. And, and then to me, there's just the, the you legitimacy mean if the card was of the whole thing. Pop? Yeah, you mean if yeah. the card was I ungraded? Mean, this is, okay. This, this is years ago, too. And then now today I get a few yeah, people yeah. say, well, you know, the card's not graded. I don't know if, it, if it's real or not. And I just laugh at them. I said, well, you know, I've been sitting on this card since 1965, let's say. So you're telling me it's not real. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, all right. You want to believe that? That's fine with me. I'm definitely won't be doing business, business with you in the future. So, you know, you want, it is what yeah. it is. It's, it's the, the hobby really one day I really hope can clean itself up from those situations yeah. and, you know, present a legitimacy as we see in other business models and other businesses, so on and so forth. So it just seems, yeah. that, you know, in the, in the collecting area, for whatever reason, sports memorabilia, sports cards, just plays by a whole different set of rules that just defy logic in some cases. And uh, you know, I look oh, at the national. Like you said, yeah. You know, I look at the national convention as an example of something defying logic. You know that you're going to get all these dealers here in December, uh, two weeks before the holiday, and in the middle, possibly, you know, a bad winter. Uh, we're just going to set up and we'll be there, and that's no problem. You know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just tr- truly amazing. All right. Now, I want to be clear. Even even if I get frustrated at SGC for not grading, you know, because there's an autograph on it, I, I get it. They don't have anyone in there to, you know, to authenticate autographs, so they don't autograph them at all. They don't want to confuse, you know, a slabbed autograph. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, I, mean, I, I kind of get it, but to me, it's a business opportunity for them. You know, yeah. it, don't yeah, turn yeah. away a $400 submission. You know, come up with a solution. You know, just uh, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly telling, you know, my employees that where it's just like, well, let's figure this out. But, you know, let's make a customer happy. You know, that's revenue. Uh, you yeah. know, it's yeah. so hey, we're going to write, you know, no auto grade or something on the flipper, you know, you know, no grade for auto, you know, as something. We'll figure it out. It's, it's pretty right. easy with an explanation. I don't know. I don't right. know. I just 
That's just not oh, well. <laughs> All right, no. moving on to our next uh, after we've beaten up PSA and SGC <laughs> pretty well tonight. Um, on a lighter note, two things with uh, my beloved Green Bay Packers. Uh, there were a bunch yes. of uh, a series of 100-year videos that were put out uh, about the Packers. The Packers. I know you, you saw them By all. The I saw them all. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. There were, oh. there were a few few segments that brought tears to my eyes. And, uh, oh, incredible. There, yep, there was the, um, the, 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 the two segments to me, which I, you know, I lived through and I, and I, as I got older and I had more contacts, I developed more contacts in the world, in the hobby world and in the football world. I, I heard a lot about, a lot of stuff about the, um, the Packers of the seventies and eighties after Lombardi. And, you know, they, they made some moves that, that were just totally illogical to me over the, that time frame, which I always, you know, called it a, you know, the dark ages of the Packers, basically from uh, when Lombardi left, you know, look at 1968 and go all the way up to roughly 1992. Uh, it was a bad time for the Packers. But uh, th- this series was just uh, superb as far as the way it was produced. The individuals that they interviewed, Bob Harlan, Ron Wolf, uh, Holcomb, uh, yep. you know, great uh, former players, great videos of uh, and film of days gone by. It's truly, uh, truly amazing to see. And uh, if you're interested in it, I did some research on you can actually go on YouTube and they, they've been posting yeah. the videos. So you can, you can pick them up and, uh, and, and watch them. Uh, but I highly recommend it, even if you're not a Packer fan. I, I kind of wish for the um, for the anniversary of the NFL, each team did something like this, uh, including the expansion teams. Even though they don't have that that big of a history, they could have they could have done a, a couple of different segments about it. But the, the other teams that have the history that have history, uh, there was no reason why they could have not done something like this in my opinion. Uh, which leads more. me to the, the, no, the next thing. We're very doing. impressive videos. Oh, I just wanted to chime in on that. I mean, uh, just there, there's, I'm a, my, my Seattle Seahawks are young, you know, and uh, one thing I'm always jealous of you East coasters is having a football team with, with history. Uh, 1976 mm-hmm. is not history. Uh, you know, I'm older than the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I've, I am a I am a closeted Green Bay Packer and Chicago Bears fan. Uh, just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ad- adore those teams. You know the, the, the you know the, the Bears for the obvious reason. You know the, the Nagurskis. You know the you know the, the Luckmans, the Grange, and the Packers. Obviously, just the, the steep yep. in history. Yep. Uh, you know, just going back and uh, these videos. I watch them every time they came out, and uh, I learned a lot about you know, things I didn't know, but, you know, Curly Lambeau, the history, I had no idea that, you know, him leaving had, you know, you know, wh- you know, what that was about. Just, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. incredible. And just, you know, the, the team mm-hmm. that was assembled and you summed it up when they got to the, uh, when they got to the Lombardi era, you know, where, where, you know, they've got, you know, Ray Nitschke talking about, you know, you hired who from the giants, you know, some, some yep, guy yep. from West point, you know, and uh, and then it just shows they start talking about his his first day of practice. No, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it, you know, 
and they just you see them talking about this man, and you just mm-hmm. get goosebumps, and you just realize that is a, you know, you know, I I, I think we've seen, you know, in, you you know when when you're in it, you don't appreciate it. So probably, right. you know, when you're around Lombardi, you're just like, awesome, we found the right coach. I mean, I would imagine it's the same way Patriots fans appreciate Hoodie, but don't realize he is a once-in-a-generation kind of quarterback. Uh, you know, Bill right. Walsh. Uh, you know, you just you, you you can rattle off probably a list of quarterback or of uh, coaches on one hand. You know, and and, and I don't know. It's just seeing yeah. all that about him, and you know, and uh, it's just incredible. And just I posted that photo of him walking out of the tunnel just with the shadow. And how many men, mm-hmm. people can just be, you know, be summed up with one picture, and it's not even of their face. It's him walking out. It's just him walking out through that tunnel. It just gave me goosebumps. Yep. It's, it's amazing. Yep. I'm jealous of your team and, and, and your team's history, Bob. <laughs> Lombardi, Lombardi, to me, I mean, epitomized um, the Packers, the error. And I think the one thing that he epitomized the most, in my opinion, was that he had a he had a much stronger desire to be successful, to play by the rules, to win, to be victorious, because winning was a lot more fun than losing. And what I, what I could never understand, and I still don't understand to this day, is how they went from that attitude in 19, when he left in 67, 68 for the Super Bowl, and they went. 24 years, basically, without having that attitude again. It, it, it astounds me. I mean, they had a little with Bart Starr, but Bart Starr had, had just not had any talent to, to utilize to get be yeah. more than a 500, you know, an 8-8 eight eight team, you know, a 500 team, and that's it. So it's just, it's just mind-boggling to me to, you know, to see it and to, to, try, to try to rationalize those 24 years of what I always call were the Packers' dark ages. But on a lighter yeah. note, again, there was a uh, an interesting Walker's Packers cleaner set that apparently came to auction on eBay and was uh, able to be negotiated to uh, a purchase that was divided by uh, quite a few people. And right in front of me right now is the one and only type piece that I have of the Packers Walker's cleaners. I have the infamous number 21 Bo Melinda, who was a great fullback for the the Packers. And I have it with the full tab. I I have it right in front of me. It is ungraded. It is raw. It is in a very stiff holder. And I have it on display in my my, uh, man cave, my football cave. Uh, Great piece. I picked it up from uh, BST years ago from one of their first initial buys of the Walker's Cleaners. Uh, Mm -hmm. Background on it. It's a very unique series, which really a lot of people didn't realize existed in the past roughly, I would say, 10 years or so. And um, I know uh, it's it's relatively in demand. It's more in demand with the actual tab. And the tab basically says Walker's Cleaners and Taylors, famous player series of Green Bay Packer football players get the complete set of autographed portraits. And how many are there in the set, Jeff? 27 total. Uh, there's a couple okay. of advertisements that show that advertise 26, but there are right. 27. 27 photos, right. Okay, so yep. uh, very difficult to find. 
there is also an album that these could have been uh, inserted in. The album seemed to be super rare for whatever reason. Yep. And complete complete sets are very, very difficult to come by. And the sets with the actual tabs with them are much more difficult to find than, the, uh, than just the photo itself. There seems to be a few more photos out there rather than the complete uh, tab and the photo yeah. with it. So, uh, and I know you have quite, you basically have hoarded most of them on the market over the years from what I can, <laughs> from what I can gather. What, what can I say? I'm a, I'm a closeted Green Bay Packer fan. and I, I can't well, think of anything well, more historic than, than uh, the Walker Packer cleaner. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, steeped in, in uh, you know, Packer history. I mean, you can just rattle off some names, you know, you know, Cal Hubbard, you know, Lambeau, you know, John, Johnny Blood, McNally. I mean, just, you know, you know, these are, you know, it, it, they, these are the Packers that, you know, the one, all the championships in the thirties, uh, where basically right. it's a cleaning company and they started coming out, they started coming out in, uh, early 1931, late 30 or early 31, I believe. Uh, and it was one a month. And, uh, there's mm-hmm. some advertising that, you know, that, uh, I've seen thanks to, uh, I've seen copies of thanks to the Reverend Mike Moran and, uh, one of you know they're they're emblazoned with uh, you know Walker Packer cleaner you know free with any cleaning over one dollar so mm-hmm. uh, apparently you know over, and they had a they they had a new one every month uh, and you'd walk in if your cleaning was over a dollar they'd hand it to you with a tab and then there's an advertisement that says get a free leather band album to anyone who collected all 27 uh, so apparently at the end if you walked in of all 27 they would hand you a leather bound album. Uh, right. but who knows? Who knows? And the last one uh, was Whitey Wooden, uh, and he's stamped 16th of July, 1932. Or excuse me, there's an advertisement for him, January 16th, 1932. So it ended in 32. Uh, mm-hmm. I go one step further with this set. I've I've made a list of the salutations each person has written, you know, in their in their autograph. So uh, I mean, and it's pretty interesting. Most of them, you know, just say thank you or like that uh, I'd say about 75% of them signed something in addition to their name uh, mm-hmm. and a couple of them have dates on them like you know 1931 etc so I mean you can you can see when this came out it's called the 32 Walker Packer cleaner but you know Whitey Wooden was the last one in January of 32 it's probably 1931 you know right. how it should right. be labeled but uh, you know again going back I remember when oh I'm sorry go ahead Bob. I, I remember going back when one of these came up and Andy Becker calling me and t- describing it to me and going, okay, I got to have that. You know, that was probably 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he and I split a split one that came up. I, I can't remember where it came up, but, you know, he's like, I have about 75% of it. I'd like to replace a few. If you give me the pick of the litter, I'll, you know, pay X. And so I came up with a partial yeah, set yeah. then. And, you know, you know, it, it's, it's it's incredible. It's uh, you know, I mean, what, what are there? There you know, guesstimates between eight and ten sets exist. You know that are that are exist, and half of those are missing tabs, and half of them don't have an album to them. So, so let me put you on a limb and ask you: How many of each photo do you think are still in existence, hidden in oh, people's wow. collections, complete sets, so on and so forth? I mean, you know, I got. I got a, a rough figure in my mind, but I'm just curious if you if you ever thought about it as far as 
How many do you, do you think still exist? I, if I don't know. It, I mean, a, uh, I think there's a BST auction that talks about, you know, eight to 10. That was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe two more have been added. So call 12. I mean, how many of them are hidden away in closets and in yeah. drawers uh, in attics? I mean, uh, you know, as so many people have said, you know, think about what they'd have to survive for the last 90 years, you know, you know, rodents, yeah. insects, fires, you know, paper drives, wars, floods, yeah. Uh, yeah. inadvertently getting tossed, et cetera. I mean, at, at some point, you know, 90, 100 years later, how many are going to be found? These are on very, you know, thin paper stock, too. I mean, they're, yeah. you know, yeah. it's they, they don't weather very well. They don't they don't take, you know, the elements very well. So, you know, if, if we were generous and said there's 14 sets, it's pretty good. And how many of those don't have tabs and how many albums are out there? So, right. it's, uh, right. I would, it, it, I would it, yeah. venture to say, I would venture to say, I'll go out on a limb, and I, I've said this to several people, I really believe this probably of each with tabs and without tabs, probably 25 or less of each photo uh, in existence. That's my gut feeling. Mm-hmm. If they, and and I could be way off, or I could be, you know, way under, so on and so forth. So uh, you know, there could be only fifteen, sixteen. There could only there could be a couple hundred. Yeah. I just can't see a lot of these still in existence anywhere. To me, they're the rare of the rare, uh, yeah. of a Packer collectible, if there ever was one. So uh, well, think about what happened to them. Think about what happened to them. If you got your dry cleaning done and they handed you one. You went home and handed yep. it to your kids or, uh, you know, they yep. thumbtacked them up uh, or drew on them or brought them to school and taped them to their locker. You know, this is a, at the time, Green Bay, you know, as you, if you watch the videos, you can see Green Bay wasn't, you know, as financially stable as they are now. I mean, you know, right, uh, right. You know it's just, it was a small town team in a small town market. So, I mean, how many of these even got issued? I mean, this is a, right. this, you know, this, this is a, uh, you know, this is a cleaning company. So, I mean, how many of them got yeah. issued? Who knows? I mean, there might be – I'd be curious to go because the address is stamped on the tab. I'd be curious to go to Green Bay, find where this cleaning company used to be, and yeah. imagine if imagine if it was still the original building and somewhere mm-hmm. in the back, you know, somebody mm-hmm. – there was a box of these sitting there, and somebody yeah. has just yeah. stacked them away, and they sell the building – Bob, you talk a lot about going and somebody's like, oh, here's this, here's this Mayo card. It doesn't have any name on it. Why don't you just give me a fiber for it? <laughs> Imagine. Well, here's a box of old photos. Anybody want these? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that would be truly an amazing there's, thing to, to there, say the least. There's the dream. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Hey, we're almost out of time, and we're not going to have enough time to talk about the last area uh, of uh, tonight's show. We'll go back to it, but just as a as a uh, teaser for the next issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine, which I may add is, is going to be there's, there's going to be a few extra articles in it. Uh, there's not going to be a super collector feature for the next issue. I decided to pull it, and we'll be back in the fall with it. Uh, with the with the new super collector, but we got so many articles, so much information to look at, and uh, you chimed in with a very interesting uh, article <laughs> on the 1988 top stickers, both the full <laughs> album stickers and the 67 superstar yep. stickers. And I, I had a whole segment 
I, I had a good 15 minutes devoted for it. I got all my top sticker albums in front of me. And um, <laughs> I believe very strongly that the stickers were overlooked for years as more without a doubt. And uh, as years went on and as warehouses started to get empty of, of case after case of these things, a lot of collectors grew to like them. And I still remember yeah. I, I would always I would always try to find buy find the album and then I would actually physically stick them in the album and you know just look at them read them and then I ended up with a bunch of uh, extra stickers over the years 1988 I always thought it was was pretty interesting because you yeah. had a two for one because now you had the uh, 67 card superstar set which is actually a nice set for, uh, for yeah. the back of the stickers and then you still had the front of the stickers that you put in the album so it was, it was pretty pretty neat innovation that they came up with. I kind of wish yeah. they did that every I, year, but they did didn't. So, I discovered uh, it. Uh, I discovered it chasing stickers for Steve, the Steve large master set, uh, yeah. you know, and I would buy, I'd buy an entire case of it and then open them and thumb through looking for the large and superstar and uh, on the back, the Jim Everett and large and combo, uh, just looking for the different combos. And I'm the guy who drove the Steve large master registry you know, by submitting, you know, a dozen variations of this. And then at some point, like, gosh, how, how the hell does this set come together? It's pretty interesting. So, yeah, you know, my obsession and, of the set came, you know, at a later date. And, and to me, it, you know, stickers and football have been so overlooked over the years. I mean, I remember in the early, in the early Sundays, you had the NFLPA, Wonderful World of Football stickers, where you had a big album, and for whatever reason, on sale for a long period of time, and I still got my two original albums of those. Uh, I'm still missing stickers in both of them. Uh, for whatever reason, the 1972 series, I, I, I must have only bought about probably four or five packs, and that was it, and then they were gone. They never came, never saw them in the store again or whatever, and for whatever reason, they were very difficult to find. So over the years, I've been trying to piece together both, both uh both uh, albums and find the, the stickers I need. The 71, I'm much more closer than the 72. 72, I need a ton of stickers. Uh, I'm hoping I can, I can, you know, land upon a full album with the stickers in, in it at a very reasonable price, and I'll just pick up that type of thing. But uh, it's a great story as far as, as, far as stickers and football, and, and I want to make that a top topic for another show. All right, we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Information is there. Joe, wrapping it up. Um, we're, we're literally out of time. Uh, anything else? <laughs> Last second. Talking football. Seconds, talking yeah. football with the captain. Talking football with the captain. I can't think of a better thing to do. Thank you. It, it, it's a very, a very interesting uh, wide, wide range of subjects. Right range of subjects tonight, to say the least. We went from uh, the Walker's Cleaners to the 1988 Top Stickers and a lot of stuff in between. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another show before the end of the month. Take care.